This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. This is my busiest time of year, even more so than Christmas, because if people want to talk about their Christmas projects, they want to do it now while there's still time to promote their releases. Because of that, I've got to make a few changes. Right now, I have enough interviews in the can to get to February if I run one a week. Because of that, I'm going to go back to the format that I used last December with excerpts from multiple interviews in each episode. I'll talk to a few people each week, and then next year, I'll revisit these interviews in their entirety. This week, I'm featuring a few of my favorite people. I've had a lot of great rock and roll nights with New York garage rock heroes, the Flesh Tones, who released their Christmas album, Stocking Stuffers, in 2008. Singer Peter Zaremba has always been a great guy to talk to about crazy rock and roll, so it's no surprise he's also a good guy to talk to about Christmas music. Then I'll be joined by Susan Cowsill, the youngest member of the 60s family rock group, The Cowsills. She lives here in New Orleans, and this gave us a chance to catch up for the first time in a long time and talk about her foray with her brothers into podcasting, as well as her favorite Christmas songs, Karen Carpenter, and the Christmas songs she's recorded. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Finally, I'm going to talk to Adam Luksekich of the Numero Group reissue label. Luksekich took the lead in pulling together the songs for a new collection of country Christmas songs on the label. Christmas Dreamers, Yuletide Country, 1960-1972. Also, Alexandra Scott will join me to discuss Mariah Carey's re-entry into the world of Christmas music. All this week on 12 Songs of Christmas. 12 Songs is sponsored by Car Floats. Reusable, removable fabric stickers for your car. Here in New Orleans, everybody has a costume box, if not closet. And Car Floats believes your car ought to be able to dress up or down according to the mood or season two. They have designs suitable for the upcoming holidays, but also ones that simply reflect your personal sense of style and whimsy. Tired of your CX-5 looking like everybody else's CX-5? Car floats can help. And when you're ready for something different, you can peel them back off, put them back on their paper backing, and save them until the next time you're ready to dress up your car. My daughter helped me put ghosts on my car for Halloween. And now that it's over, those stickers are back on their paper, rolled up, and stored until this time next year. Want to see what you can do for your car? Visit car-floats.com. Put 12 songs in the promo box, and that's the number 12 songs as one word, in the promo box at checkout for 25% off on your first purchase. Car Floats, art in motion. The Flesh Tones are a living, breathing testament to the power of three chords, guitars, and a big beat. They've been at it for so long that their refusal to quit has become the subject of a book, Sweat, by Joe Bonomo. At one point in our interview, Flesh Tone singer Peter Zaremba remembers a crazy party in Hamilton, Ontario, a steel town on the eastern end of the Rust Belt about an hour south of Toronto. Usually when people tell me about crazy parties, I figure time and beer has enhanced the memories. But in this case, I was actually there and can say, it was easily as nutty as he remembers. In the interview, 
He tells a story of how they ended up covering Rolf Harris's Six White Boomers on their Stocking Stuffers album. Since that song likely isn't known to many of you, and it wasn't known to me before he talked about it, we'll start there. This is Rolf Harris' Six White Boomers, and they'll pick it up on the other side with Peter Zaremba. In Australia, Christmas comes in the middle of a very hot summer, so when Santa Claus delivers his presents, he's not taken round by reindeer because they can't stand the terrible heat. He's taken round by six big, white, old man kangaroos called the Six White Boomers. Early on one Christmas day, a joey kangaroo was far from home and lost in a great big zoo. Mummy, where's my mummy? They've taken her away. We'll help you find your mummy, son. Hop up on the sleigh. To start with, what is the story behind your new single, Mi Enyaste Bien? Okay, it, it, it's. Uh, I'm glad that you've asked this question because, I, like I said, I'm here to answer all questions. And I just happened to be here in Tijuana uh, promoting this, the, the new single with uh, some of my friends here in the music world. And, uh, okay, Man Genyaste Bien is one of these songs. It was in my head since about 1985. Um, it came to me one night. Uh, while I was working on the Cutting Edge TV show. And at that point, I was still st uh, staying at the Tropicana whenever I'd come out to work on the Cutting Edge. I was laying in bed at the Tropicana, and the song kind of started working in my head, right? And I, I couldn't get it out of my head until I totally arranged the whole song <laughs> in my brain. And even then, I just couldn't stop hearing it over and over and over again. The problem is it just sort of stayed there. And, uh, I, you know, I had the idea, you sure fooled me in English. Right. And I was never happy with the words. They always seemed kind of uh, more trite than, than usual, <laughs> you know, for <laughs> rock and roll. Even, 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 you know, that's one of my problems. I, I find sometimes I say, oh, no, you can't say that. And then, I, you know, later on, someone has a big hit record. I say, oh, yeah, of course you can say that. You know, nothing's too, nothing's too trite in a way. It's, right. you know, it depends on how you say it. But anyhow, fi finally about a year or so ago, it occurred to me the song had to be in Spanish. You know, that the whole thing would have a lot more impact. There's something about rock and roll in Spanish that seems to have more authority, you know? Interesting. It just seems to carry more, carries more weight. It seems more important, you know? It's more of a, it's not a, a pronouncement is a pronuncio. You know? ah, ah, it becomes, ah, ah, it becomes a, you know, it's like a, it, you're declaring a revolution or something. So it uh, so I, my friend uh, Jorge Explosion uh, from Spain, he's in the group Doctor Explosion, and my other friend Jimmy Garcia, who you might have seen starring as me in one of our uh, recent videos, uh, Alma Como Un Hombre. Uh -huh. which is also in Spanish. Okay, that's, uh, anyway, we worked on the lyrics. We recorded uh, the Flesh Jones happened to be in Gijón, Spain, where Jorge has this great uh, analog studio. We recorded it like it, the morning we had to leave to go someplace else. 
And uh, I worked on the vocals a little bit more during the pandemic, you know. And uh, I, I think I was very happy with the way it came out. Since we already had Man Ganyaste Bien, Keith Strang, our guitarist, who's always more a little more visionary than me, said, hey, why don't we do uh, both sides in Spanish? And we happened to have recorded a cover of uh, The Shadows, Keith, uh, Cliff Richards in The Shadows. Uh, uh, what's that? We, we, I keep thinking in Spanish now, Decimosia. It's not Decimosia. It's We Say Yeah. Ah, uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, which is a great shadow song. Uh, and we, and again, I said, well, you know, Cliff Richards, that version's pretty, uh, you know, ultimate. Uh, why do a, 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 you know, not such a great version of it, you know? So we said, okay, we'll do that in Spanish too. So uh, we wound up with it all Spanish uh, 45, which made Keith very happy. No engañaste a Pancho, no engañaste a Nacho, pero me engañaste bien. Eres mala gente, me engañaste bien. Yo creo en ti, me engañaste bien. Eso no fue hace, me engañaste bien. Is, is Spain and Spanish-speaking countries, is, are those good markets for you? I would have to say that Spain itself is our best market in the world. Uh, mostly because Spain is a diehard rock and roll country. Right. Uh, you know, and once people, once uh, Spanish like you, they like you, you know? And uh, it's not like, okay, here's a new record by somebody else or something. They tend to stick with the uh, artists that they like. So uh, we have a great audience there. You know, it's not huge, but we can go to Spain usually uh, for almost a month and play a different city every night and uh, have people come see us. Oh, that's great. So Good for you. That's great. It is great. You know, and I've been trying over the years to work up our, our Mexican market, uh, which is where <laughs> it's very small. Uh, but you know, there's like real rock and roll believers here, right? You know, so there's like a great club here in Tijuana. Uh, we can we can play in like Mexico City, and usually if our friend Danny Amos, uh, Daddy O'Grande from Los Stray Jackets, he's he's a big star here in the rock and roll world. Oh, interesting. So when he helps us out, yeah, Danny from uh, Danny Amos from the Stray Jackets. Um, if he help, if he shows up with us, then we're guaranteed an audience here. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I would imagine by now, you know that you probably know, you, you probably have an have a very good idea of where where the pockets of true believer of true rock and roll believers still are in, in certainly in America yes. and probably in a lot of the world. Yes, yeah, you kind of need a dowsing stick, you know, to go around, <laughs> go around the world. But yeah, you find them, and you know, it's it's usually like the work of like one person in each city. You know what I mean? Like he'll he'll build up the core, but usually it depends on one person. Take Hamilton, Ontario. I think Lou Marinaro. You know, right? Yeah, Lou. Uh, he, uh, 
this ain't Hollywood and all that stuff, you know, and plus he was always, you know, in every city, there's somebody, um, uh, it's always a core of believers. You know, I, I used to joke that, uh, you know, I said, well, someday being a rock and roll band is going to be like being in a polka band, you know, it's like you're playing to a very specific, uh, very specific, but loyal bunch of people. It's not quite that bad. Right. You know, uh, I mean, Rock and roll songs still have a mass market. Uh, I just don't know how to my, find my way to it. Right. But uh, but we have, you know, we have the Flesh Tones. Yeah. Um, we're, we're pretty happy, you know. Um, and like Keith always says, one of the reasons that we've, uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but uh, one of the reasons that we are still going and still happy with what we're doing and still have an audience is we keep making records, you know, like we always have a new record because we always have new ideas. And it's not like a lot of bands that say, oh, okay, well, their last record was in 1985 and they're still going on that, you know? Um, uh, we'd probably strangle e each other if that was the case, you know? Uh, so, we, you know, we have new records. Yeah. Uh, like Man Gagnasse Bien, you know, or... Uh, the face of the screaming werewolf. Right. Uh, you know, uh, and our Christmas record, but, uh, we'll get, yeah. I will let you ask about yeah. that. We'll get to that in just about a second, but I was, but as you were talking about this, I was thinking, you know, there's points where as a fan and as some, as a writer, I can look at a band and kind of say, and part of me says like, why put out more records? But at the same time, if I think about it, like, I have to imagine that aside from the couple of hours on stage, I would imagine the best part of being a musician is that moment when you have an idea that you, a musical idea you love. That's definitely, that's one of the reasons I would assume you got started. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. One, one of the best things is not just having an idea in your head but then it's like being a painter or something right you have the idea or maybe you don't quite have the idea so you sort of mush the paint around on the canvas a bit but having turning making it from the idea to reality right making it something you can actually listen to that others can listen to that's not just in your head that is the greatest rush you know and being in the studio and recording is really a lot of fun. You know, I, I won't say it's more fun than being on stage and screaming for an hour because that's a certain release in itself. But uh, it, it's great. It's a great feeling. And from the very beginning, my dream, I know my dream was, and I'm sure it was the same with Keith and everyone else, was, wow to make an actual record, to make something you can look at and hold and play was like a dream, you right. know? So when we first started, um, we first signed with Marty Thau on Red Star Records in like 1977 or whenever it was. As soon as he, we had like a rough mix or something of a song, he was like really hooked up uh, with the Brill Building people because that's, that was his roots, you know, in the 60s, he made millions of dollars you know, uh, with Buddha Records and Morris Levy and all these uh, criminals. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But anyway, uh, 
So he had, he showed me where the guys used to go to cut all their their uh, acetate forty fives. Angel Sound. I always remember Angel Sound. And there'd always Great name. Be, you know, guys always coming down from the Brill Building to you know with their demos and stuff to cut acetates. You know, to send to people because that's how they they could hear it and play it for people and and see if it was any good. Right away, I cut acetates like before, while we were still mixing. Just to hold a record that we of our song in my hand, you know. Yeah, uh, I was just so amazed. I'm still amazed, you know. I was, I was still like, "Wow, a record," you know. Yeah, it's a great thing. You know, I I think that that kind of love of love of records that I would always imagine. Like I walk in, I always thought whenever I'd go to a flesh tone show, I'd look around and like. Yeah, he's got a bunch of records. Yeah, he's got a bunch. You could just see everybody in the room were people for whom there was a love affair with vinyl. And that there was a, in that these were all people who, if you went over to their house with a six pack, they would dig out this cool, cool, weird songs you hadn't heard for the next two hours. And, And it felt like, like flesh tones were, you know, the quintessence of that. They they were the band. You were the band that also similarly had that stack of records. And you know. I had the stack. I had to. Yeah. I talking about going over with a six pack. I I hate to keep going back to Hamilton, but one of those nights was we played in Hamilton. I think the first time ever, and we went over to the the Sakura brothers' house. Mm-hmm. Rob Sakura. Yep. And his brother. And they would, they, we, that's what we did. You had the records and he was pulling out, you know, Teenage Head and whatnot. And uh, I'll never forget because he had a big poster from the movie Door to Door Maniac. One of the f- a few movies starring uh, Johnny Cash. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the Door to Door Maniac. And that night I had an audio hallucination. I, if, if you drink enough beer, I guess, you know. Enough Canadian and beer. It, it can, yeah, enough blue, you know. Yeah. So we had enough blue in us, and uh, maybe there was some rum involved too. But um, I had this audio hallucination that I wound up recording years later a rock, like a uh, fuzz rock version of Some Velvet Morning. Cool. The, the Nancy Sinatra, uh, Lee Hazelwood song. And that wound up on our first Love Delegation album. Right. So. Uh, if you know that, yeah, which which somehow that record be, produced my only real, one of my only real hit records, uh, I'm gonna knock you out became a huge disco hit in Spain, ah. and when I finally when I finally got to Moscow years later, people came up to me and said, "Oh, your version of Some Velvet Morning with the Love Delegation was a huge dance hit here in all the rock and roll clubs." Oh, that's brilliant. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. someone was listening. Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to bring it to was talking about record collecting and about vinyls. For instance, I look at stocking stuffer at your Christmas album from 2008. Yeah. And while there are Christmas songs on it that are ones people would know, you know, like obviously like a run Rudolph run, there's also things that, I have to admit, your version of Six White Boomers is the first time I heard Six White Boomers. 
Uh, I didn't know that, and I and I have not heard and anyone else cover it, nor had I heard Rolf Harris's version until after I heard yours. So, so so start since I've just mentioned it. Tell me the story of six white boomers. Okay, uh, we're pretty good friends with uh, the Hoodoo Gurus, uh, most uh, particularly uh, Dave Faulkner. Uh, from the very first time they came to America. They invited us down to see them play. And he said, you know, one of the main reasons the Hoodoo Gurus got together was because of our band, uh, listening to our records. And uh, it inspired them, I think, maybe in the same way that listening to the, the Ramones inspired people. It was kind of like people were sitting around waiting and saying, wait a minute, if the Ramones can do this, right? I can get up. I can play my, you know, that's what the flesh tones. It was okay. Listen, come on. At this point, we've been talking about it for five years. Let's put the band together finally, you know? So anyhow, uh, we've been very good friends with uh, Dave and Keith was talking to him, Oh, you know, from Australia. They talk regularly. And he talked, Keith told Dave that we were involved in this project. And they said, look, you gotta, you got to do this Rolf Harris song, you know? Uh, six white boomers um and so he played it for us and i liked it but then i said look if we're going to do it keith why don't you sing it and let's do it like acdc <laughs> you know we'll go all we're going to go all oz on this you know so that was our little innovation was was doing it like uh and i think dave i think dave does a little vocal uh, he uh, says something over the telephone in the beginning of it or something Right. You know, if there's a guy with an Australian accent, it's Dave. Oh, okay. thing with you know i i always like the christmas songs you know there's some really great ones you know uh i think bobby pickett's monsters holiday is is wonderful right you know i, yeah. I never tire i never i never tire of listening to monsters holiday you know especially right. at the end when he asks igor what is what does he think of santa and igor says oh santa good you know? <laughs> well santa is good um, the label came to us and they said, look, why don't you guys do a Christmas record? You know, right. uh, in fact, in particular, the president of the label, you know, again, a good friend of ours, uh, Glenn Dicker said, why don't you do a Christmas record? So I said, well, let me think about it. So I was talking to Keith and I said, Keith, what do you think? And he, and Keith said, yeah, okay. As long as we're not making fun of Christmas. Cool. So. Yeah. I said, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Let, let, you know, this like a lot of people have got, made these sort of anti-Christmas songs and stuff. 
And and I said, yeah, who's, who's, who needs that? You know, yeah. who needs, you know, if people get sad at Christmas time, they don't need to be made more sad. You right. know, it's like, it's like, get it, get with it. You know, it's like Santa Claus, you know, he, he beat the Martians. Uh, <laughs> why not? You know, why? like we did, I think yeah. we did the song from Santa Claus versus the Martians. Yes. But we made, but we did it more like the Ramones would have did it or something. You know, we, we punk rocked it up. Right. We like that too. Yeah. That wound up being a gift that kept giving because around four years ago, T-Mobile at Christmas time, some brilliant, brilliant mind at the PR department decided that they were going to use that song for one of their national commercials. Wow. Cool. And so I have, I have to say for about three weeks, checks arrived at my house. <laughs> like like every, it was like the gift that was giving I said, and I was like, Santa Claus, I do love you. Today, Alexandra Scott returns to join me to talk about the new Mariah Carey Christmas song, Fall in Love at Christmas, with Khalid and Kirk Franklin. Here's a first listen, then we'll start the conversation. Today we have we have I think what is supposed to be an event that we have a new Mariah Carey Christmas song. Dun, da, da, da. Dun, that's right. Fall in love at Christmas and with Khalid and Kirk Franklin. And it is, of course, the follow the 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 belated follow up to her nineteen ninety five. Um, not just the, obviously the Merry Christmas album and all I want for Christmas is you, I believe her follow-up to all I want for Christmas is you a few years later. Uh, and a song that for a great story, go back and check. I think it was last season. I talked with a chart analyst and chart historian, um, Chris Melanfi, uh, about how 25 years after its release, it finally became 
the number one song on on Billboard's uh, Hot 100. And it's an entertainingly complicated story about how Billboard has changed its uh, metrics over the years and changed how it scores and what it scores. And so this is all complicated because when it came out, it wasn't even a single. Huh. That it is, we now remember it being always a part of our Christmases because it has been a part of our Christmas for so long, or it has been such a big part of the last decade of our Christmases because it has obviously became kind of a juggernaut. Uh, but when it was released, it wasn't even a single. Or some of us, like myself, had never heard of it till they saw Love Actually and then went, oh, what's that song? I love it. Um, yeah. And there are a lot yeah. of people for whom Love Actually was their introduction to the song. Uh, I mean, so. sorry, Mariah, but some of us don't actually listen to the radio that much. Unless ah, it's those ah, ah, ah. She, she doesn't want to know you now. She so. didn't want to know me before. Exactly but, right. Yes. Ah. And I totally don't blame her. All right. So I have strong thoughts about this one. You want to start us off on this one, Alexandra? Sure. Um, so first of all, it is the weirdest take on green sleeves I've ever heard. I don't love the auto-tuned Khalid vocals next to Mariah, Mariah's vocals. Um, but I get it. I get that that's a choice. Um it didn't really catch me the first time I listened to it. I I love it when she's singing softly the way she does, you know, for her background vocals and all of her big 90s hits. Um, it, it's just an oddity of a song because, well, for one thing, I, I don't mix up falling in love and Christmas necessarily. Sure. I mean, I, I know she's sort of, trying to reach back to all I want for Christmas is you. But for me, Christmas is more about like, I don't know, snow and family or family stress or whatever and food and um, coziness. Um, anyway, but I can go along with the song. Um, but you've got that sort of slow jam feeling and then you've got the gospel rave up at the end which I like. It's a nice surprise, but it's an odd, it's an odd song. Um, but she's just soft and muted for most of the song. And then all of a sudden she's going to her whistle tones and then it's gospel Rama. And I like it, but it's, it's a little peculiar and I like peculiar things. Yes, I, I agree. One of the things that takes a moment when you listen to it is you have to put aside, this is not all I want for Christmas is you. This can't be all I want for Christmas is you. But if you're Mariah Carey and you have one of the biggest Christmas songs, certainly the biggest Christmas song of modern times, and one of the sort of the, the current, one of the sort of the big, you know, 10 or so Christmas songs, if you put it out, you know it has to sort of sit next to that. And... I think intelligently, she chose an entirely different direction. She yeah. didn't try to make a pop song. This is, this is an R&B song. This is, an yeah. R&B, this is an R&B slow jam. And so wisely, she picked a lane 
and that is not the same lane as her biggest hit. And that's, it means it's never going to be that big, but it also means you, it's, you can't listen to it and think, well, it doesn't catch me the way that song does because it lives in an entirely different world. It does. I will say it could just as easily have been, we're going to fall in love again in summertime. Like, I'm not sure it's a Christmas song. Yeah. But I love Mariah Carey, so I'll follow where she leads. Right. The hard part for me, and I I agree, I'm fascinated because I think it's so odd. And when Kirk Franklin and the gospel uh, choir comes in, it is just they just jam the gears from like second to fifth. It is suddenly there's this drastic acceleration. It suddenly becomes a whole new song, a whole new vibe. And I don't know how the sort of the, the duet at uh, sort of the love under the Christmas tree between uh, Mariah and Khalid suddenly becomes Kirk Franklin and 30 voices bellowing it out in church that does not necessarily make sense to me but i'm i'm entertained and i have to say it is a more eccentric musical decision than i would have expected from mariah carey at this point um i know i love it you know it's so easy to monday monday morning quarterback is that is that the term yep as somebody else's production choices but i kept thinking when the gospel part kicked in that what would have been really, really great is if they also added the polyphonic spree and just ah, made it ah, like ah, super, ah. super weird. And I mean, this is why I have never, you know, made it, I think, to the major leagues because no nobody really wants those weird choices, but I would like them because um, that yeah. would be so cool and weird is to add that to those great gospel voices. And then you just truly kick it off into madness. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just in case, you know, Mariah and Kirk Franklin, you're looking for a weird voice for your, right. for your next one. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. Always yeah. consider this. Friend. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I agree with you. I think I love that it's an eccentric choice, but it's like once it was made, it plays out in a, in a fairly conventional way. And it's like, if you're going to make the eccentric choice, I feel like I want them, I want, I want them to go with it, lean into it and, and grew and, you know, let's, let's feel that inner eccentricity. And if it's go polyphonic spree, go there. If it is, you know, if it's Mariah going sort of full Mariah, uh, go there. As is actually, I, I, one thing I thought was interesting was I was kind of listening for her, and and obviously she may well be layered in in a number of places, but it's like suddenly out of nowhere you do get the ultrasonic notes, and it's cool, but I'm also like, where I'm ready for more, I'm ready for more, I'm ready for her to get there, I'm ready for her to do something from that place, and it just sort of seemed like a like sort of a spike to remind you that she's on this record too with Kirk Franklin and his, and his singers. I, I think it's a bit of a power move though, to make such a weird song. Um, especially after creating intentionally or not a Christmas classic. Um, because for an artist like her, who's, I mean, since her teens been in the 
belly of the record industry, uh, uh, you know, the heavies. And I mean, she was married to Tommy Mottola. Like she's really, really been in it. To get to make an eccentric choice is actually a big deal. So it might, you know, we're like indie outliers here discussing things, but for her, that that is a pretty big choice. So maybe it's the first step in making more weird choices. Susan Cowsill has led a rock and roll life without really planning to. Her dad decided she and her mom should join their brothers in the band that became the Cowsills, whose biggest hit, The Rain, The Park, and Other Things, is one of those indelible 60s pop hits. She floated through California in the 70s in the orbit of Jackson Brown and members of the Eagles, worked off and on on a career, then in the 90s fell in with the proto-Americana group, the Continental Drifters, and eventually spun off on her own. Really, though, it's more accurate to say that she has stayed busy singing and performing that whole time, because career implies a deliberate process, something she says has rarely been the case. Here's part of my conversation with Susan. I saw her sitting in the rain So since we last talked, which has been a long time, I know you got into my game. You are a podcaster now. How about that? Tell me about tell me about the Cowsill podcast. Oh gosh, I would love to because it is seriously one of the funnest things I've ever done. Um, uh, well, just a quick backstory. Obviously, the Cowsills are the band that never breaks up, and they only just take little breaks and then somehow get back together. And the last time we did it was rather you know, on, in our world, quite successful. And we're on a classic rock tour once a year. It's pretty much the main one you want to be on. And uh, from that has just reinvented a little tiny, you know, council career again. Cool. Good for you. Um, yeah, it is. And so with that, we, we actually wrote all new songs <laughs> and made a brand new record because we wrote the songs. We are under no, you know, um, um, let's just say we've been here a long time and we make music to make music. We always have if something comes of it dandy. Right. But along with that, as we know, we have to reinvent ourselves as musicians because uh, selling records and playing in concerts is not a viable way to make a living anymore. 
So I brought, or somebody brought to us, and I knew what it was, a podcast, but my, very honestly, my brothers were like, well, what the hell is that? I'm like, um, it's like Wonderful World of Disney on a computer. It's just uh, a TV uh, show uh, on a computer, guys. Yeah. Like, remember when Disney came on first in black and white, then in color? Oh, my God. Same thing, only on computer. It's a, a radio show on computer, yeah. really. Right. But until you cross over into the visual podcast land. But anyway, they uh, got hip to the stick and we got on it and um, we're actually kind of doing well in podcast land. Yeah. Good for you. Like, like literally Alex, it was so weird because I haven't been on a chart since I was a kid. I didn't even know they had charts, you know, the old billboard cash box record world. That was, you know, some children read Dr. Seuss. I read cash box record world and billboard and I knew which one was more important. And I knew if I was in one and not the other, it just didn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) But on the podcast, we got this little email. It said, you know, Apple podcast, you've come in on our hot 100 at 43. And we're like, we don't really know what that means, but we think it's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Oh no. So it's been super fun. I think we have, um, we didn't know what we were doing. So, and we do it on zoom. So we're like the Brady Cowsills, Brady Bunch Cowsills. And, and we do it that way because it's just easier to control ourselves, but it's also cool because we've taped them all and we are going to have visual versions of this. Oh, excellent. So it's, it's really been cool. We're, we're really lucky because everybody tells us, we just, everybody says yes, because the sad truth of it is, is they still think we're little kids and you don't tell kids no. Right. Ah, so ah. even like we just interviewed Miami Steve. Little Steven. Oh, very cool. Good for you. He said yes. I was like, what the? So Uh, anyway, uh, uh. it's super fun. And I always wanted, you know, I've always wanted a TV or a radio show. Something. So it's cool. Yeah. Well, and it's also, well, I'd also imagine it's got to be nice to find a project to do with your brothers that gives you a, that gives you a reason just to talk to them. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know, I mean, I know, I know, y'all are close, but still, no. to have a have a not that close. No, we well, we are close, but if we didn't have a commonality known as that gig, yeah, because that's the only way we've ever hung out. Sure, we don't know how to just hang out, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, once a week we get to see each other, and play producers. I mean, we have wacky little segments called like one called Paul Pufferfish, where Paul comes up with little known facts that nobody would believe. We have, uh, I got a gripe. We've got all these cute little, you know, we we have our brother, John, who's a famous musician in the Beach Boys. And he has a a episode with us. It's called Where's John? And we'll (laughs) remote with John out with the Beach Boys and he'll tell it. In fact, we, we happened on him on our first episode and he was having a beautiful day off with the Beach Boys on a boat on an island. I mean, really. Wow. <laughs> so nice it's life. really been cool. And, and and it just keeps our faces out there. I don't know, man. Sure. It's, yeah. Well, and I would imagine, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the, I think of the beauties of podcasts is you find the people who care about that thing. Right. And so, and it's a way for the people who have, who have cared about the cow sills to really feel plugged into you in a way oh, yeah. that they in a way that they couldn't when they were just seeing you live occasionally when you came to their town yes. they're there they're excited 
now they're excited when you come to town, but they're also listening and connecting to you on a, what, is it a weekly basis? Month. Yeah, yeah, it's hugely that way. So where before, oh my God, the TV guide said the councils are going to be on craft music hall tonight. Yay, we can watch them walking around and talking. They can talk to us. Right. We talk to them. We have questions and answers. We say Roger from Winslow wants to know and Roger gets all, you know, it's an interactive thing. So I, yeah, I agree with you. It's, 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 and look, we love our fans. I mean, we're just kind of geeky that way, you know? Well, and, uh, you know, it would seem like, you know, that after, you know, after the money part, which no longer actually exists, yeah. the, the, the two best parts are one, the singing part with people you like singing with. And the yep. other is the connection to people that comes as a result. And, if you, and if you can get that without having to go to their city, it's pretty badass. <laughs> Trust me. We every Thursday we sit down and go, well, whoever expected this? We feel like we have desk jobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and um, people are, we're talking to syndicators on radios. They want pieces of it. Clips. Good and that's you. mailbox money. Yep. Okay. And that's where it becomes something, you know, as old people, we could hang our hat on. You know, I like to say I've never seen a late night talk show with three hosts. Ah, 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 ah. I like to say that. Hey, look, you know, anything can happen anymore. So we are here to talk today about Christmas music. Yes, because we love Christmas. Because we love Christmas music. I know you that, that you have not only made it, but I know as a, as a singer, as a person who harmonizes almost reflexively. <laughs> <laughs> Harmony that, Tourette's. That it, that. <laughs> that music is, is right up your alley. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, you are more than right. And not only that, you know, I'm from new England, the land of Christmas, yes. at least we think we invented it. And my mother on her, when she passed away and I, I received all of her worldly goods. There was a crunched up cardboard box that said, Barbara Castle Christmas animal on it <laughs> had all the decorations in it. Um, so I come from a pretty big Christmas fan house. Right. So, and my mom, you know, we had a hi-fi and she was 24 seven running those. I mean, that thing was hot, yeah. like overheated hot. You know, you remember laying next to it and feeling like it was a ha, combo yep. music thing and heater. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Christmas and 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 all the it's just all about harmonies. Because yeah, I um, could go on. What do you have songs that are, and particularly versions of songs that stand out for you as the ones that that's Christmas in your mind? Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, like so. As I stated earlier, my mother was a high-five-phobe. I mean, no, a thon, whatever yeah. the opposite of that right. is. And she was like, I mean, we had them stacked. You remember yeah. when you'd stack them? Sure. Yeah, and yeah. they would drop. So we'd get home from school and she'd have a stack just ready to go. And I knew she was playing them all day. Um, but I, I latched on to a few that I, that I then used for my kids that was their main one of that version. So we will start with... Um, Nat King Cole's, you know, chestnuts. You're right. I mean, that beginning, all the strings, and then when he just comes in and goes, chest, chestnuts, you know, it's just, that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's it. That opening line of chestnuts roasting with his voice is, is my favorite. Yeah. Um, Bing Crosby's, do you hear what I hear only? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Don't want to hear any, I don't want to hear. And I love, don't get me wrong, but I don't want to hear Andy sing it. I don't want to hear Nat. I don't want to hear um, Johnny. <laughs> right. uh, uh, uh. I want to hear Bing. So the little boy. Yeah, I want yeah. to hear him say boy. You know where he goes. Uh, boy. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Me. I can hear it right now. <laughs> Said the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy It's so crazy, and look, you know, even my, my stepdaughter, who's not my stepdaughter anymore because I adopted her last year, my first non-bio child, but my first, I made, you know, a Christmas tape for when she would go to sleep at night Oh, interesting! and play it, you know, you, oh, my kids, all my children like that from December 1st or actually November 26th, if you want to be honest about it, you know, every night in their rooms, they have music anyway, my kids. Um, and it would just be, and her thing was, if it didn't open up with, you know she didn't she'd be ah she'd start crying <laughs> so um so that's kind of how it is around here um so also um now speaking of mr williams and i have a really cool trivia thing to tell you about the Cowsills and andy williams that just came in this week but andy williams most wonderful time of the year yeah. yes nobody else right right yeah that's the one right that's the one and there's been plenty yeah yeah, no, I don't, it's like, no, 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 no. Andy There's Williams just, Trivia. Uh, Andy Williams Trivia, tell me. Okay, uh, we just got an offer from Branson, and God, yeah. we love these things more than anything. You know, the beauty of being a cow sill is you can be every version of who you are. I right. can be, it's just an amazing, a wonderful um, lease on life that that we get as artists. We can go from the grooviest, the coolest, the funkiest, the most Americana-ish, yeah. <clears throat> right on up to what I'm about to tell you, which is, and we're taking it, uh, an offer to play at the Andy Williams Theater to do a Christmas variety show with the Lennon Sisters. Ah, amazing. Six weeks from November to December next year, I'm getting chills up my left side. I will invite you down for absolutely. a weekend. You, you will have to come be a guest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't even know what it means. I don't know. How, you know, Branson's a funny place. We've done a couple of shows there. Yep. Um, but does that not just fill you with... <laughs> I'm reading I, the... You know what? It's like um, an old-time variety show. Cowsels at the top. Cowsels at the end. Sprinkled throughout. It's like... 
you know, where's Wayne yeah. Newton when I need him? We used to yeah. do these craft music halls. Uh-huh. Um, and then usually a Christmas or a holiday one because we were a family band. And man, it's like, I, I can't even, um, the Lennon sisters? Are you kidding yes. me? They Okay, so anyway, that happened. Uh, versions, like, okay, so more contemporary version of, of mm-hmm. an old song. Um, Baby, Please Come Home. Yep. You too. Love it. Really? I would yep. not have expected that from you. Me either. Yeah. But I just feel like when I'm hearing him sing it, I feel like he's in it. Yes. I believe that. And too. I think that's interesting. I wouldn't know that Bono would be in a Christmas way. Right. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, so, <laughs> and to convince me yeah. of a Christmas song that I have a particular liking to is, you know, you're, that's rough to begin with. Right, right. So um, uh, that's my one kind of. Um, oh, wait, didn't Don Henley do something that was nice? He did a come home for Christmas. It was okay, but he starts bugging me. Yeah. Nothing personal. Hey, um, I want to ask you about a version. Okay. I, that you, you recorded a version of the Carpenters, Merry Christmas, Darling, with Debbie Davis on last year's Oh Crap, It's Christmas Volume 2. I sure did. So tell me about that experience and your affection for that song. That song is my all-time favorite Carpenter Christmas song, and I happen to do Carpenter Christmas, so I know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the hit, but it's just the one that sits in my soul that, you know, makes me feel that one way when I, you know. Um, the experience was hard for Deb and I because it was COVID times. Right. And to be very honest, which I don't really know any other way to be, I was struggling greatly in the COVID um, election world life. Changed me forever, unfortunately. You are looking and talking to a different person, Alex. Yeah. But just the same. And so when Deb couldn't do her Christmas show, which I attend and sing with her at every year because we're kind of Christmas animals together, um, she came up with the idea of making the Holy Crap Christmas record instead. And I didn't want to do it because I, 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 I mean, first of all, we were coveting and I, uh, uh-uh. you know, I'm an Outer Limits Twilight Zone generation kid. Sure. I know what's going on here and I'm not right. leaving. Right, right. Okay. Okay. But, you know, but I also don't know how to say no. Full sentence is no. In rehab, when I went down to class one day, there's a big chalkboard and it says, Today's class, no is a full sentence. <laughs> and I failed miserably. I, that, I, I quit drinking, but I, I did not get that one class down. So no is still not a full sentence for me. Right. And so I said yes. And and God bless Debbie Davis because she had a very, I told her, you're not even going to recognize me. This ain't cool. I shouldn't be out. And I shouldn't even be with your friends. But we went with it. And she kind of sprung the version on me. So I, the whole thing, I mean, quite honestly, was like, God, I don't know how she did it, but we pulled it off, you know, and uh, it's such a beautiful song, you know, yeah. I haven't really heard it this year. And it was a frozen kind of moment. I, I hate to report that, but like I said, I couldn't give you a different story that sure. would have been ridiculous. Yeah. And I know, I think I've, <laughs> we don't talk about it. Good friends don't have to, but I'm, I think I probably freaked her out pretty good because ah, ah, I was ah, not yeah. me, man. 
Wow. I mean, and I, I know how to fake being me now in post, well, post COVID, <laughs> you know, right. I know how to behave now. Yes. I'm really good at learning that when something gets wacky and I'm like, whoa, got to rein this in. But I didn't then. Greeting cards of A special one for you. Merry Christmas, darling. We're apart, that's true. But I can dream, and in my dreams, I'm Christmasing. Say one of the reasons I wanted to ask, besides the fact that I really like it, is also I wonder if you can help me get a handle on Karen Carpenter. Because I always appreciate her voice. Uh-huh. And she's a beautiful singer. Mm-hmm. But I never feel like I know who she is. Like there's someone mm-hmm. like even before I knew you, I could hear your voice and I felt like I knew you from just hearing your voice. I can hear Debbie Davis. And I feel like and before I knew Debbie, I felt like I, okay. I, felt like I knew I, who this person I, I is. I'm following. And, and even if at the time, what I thought I knew was wrong, the fact is you could hear a voice and feel like you know who this person is. And I was talking recently with Jim McCormick about this. We were talking about this with country music. And like, you hear Randy Travis. And whether you know Randy Travis or not, you feel like you know who that guy is from hearing his voice. Sure. And when I hear Karen Carpenter's voice, I still don't know who that person is. And, uh, and so I find them all beautiful, but I find there to be always, it feels there's a little bit of an absence in the middle of these beautiful songs for me. And I, and I figure, because, you know, as a singer, you would be able to give me an angle on Karen if anyone could. Well, I think it's rather interesting that we're having this question come up and this observation on the heels of discussing this version of this song, because for me, and I haven't heard it recently, I'm going to be freaking out when I do, because I was disconnected. Huh. Interesting. So how interesting is that? Yeah. But I will tell you my observation. I mean, I was disconnected because I couldn't connect to anything. Sure. And poor Deb, she was she was like, girl, this is what you need because we're Christmas. And I'm like, normally, you're right. But that's just, I mean, right. that's indicative of itself right there. Yeah. If Christmas can't do it, nothing can. Um, but your Karen observation and my observation of your question is the following. Um, some of us cannot help but wear our hearts on our sleeves as much as we may try. Right. And tragic. I don't want to, I don't want to say. So here's what I think is that her disconnect from herself and her tragic view and whatever was going on inside that beautiful body, brain and mind and, and soul. And cause we all are in, I mean, primarily, uh, was, um, 
what you're hearing is her her wall yeah. that she had to have. Now, ironically, she penetrated that for most mm-hmm. with just the sound of it. Yeah. But I promise you that you might not even know that it's working on you anyway, even with your observation. Does that sure. make sense to you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So because look, the linearness, the linearness of Karen's delivery is like if you were a, a social worker, you'd sit there and go, okay, you in the office, let's talk. What the hell is wrong here? Right. You right. are flatlining, my lady. Yeah. You know, I'm on the top of the world looking down on creation. And I, I, no, I don't believe you, not one word of it, but I like the way it sounds and I'm rolling with this. Yeah. But you are not the happiest girl in the whole USA. I would have loved to hear Karen try and deliver shine on me, sunshine, off with me, world is a skippity <laughs> dude on day. Shine on me, sun. You know, yeah. it's like, no, wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But her soul depth right. cannot be denied. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through. But I still have one wish to make A special one for you Merry Christmas, darling We're apart, that's true But I can Finally the Numero Group specializes in packages that reissue artists and records that weren't necessarily the best, but that represent the rank and file of a city's or genre scene. The new Christmas Dreamers certainly follows in that mold, with 13 songs so thoroughly inside country music's down-home traditions that they border on parody. But they also radiate sincerity, so even when they're funny, they're not jokes. We'll hear a track from the album. Santa Claus Won't Come This Year by Charlie Stewart. Then we'll pick up the conversation with Adam Luksekic. Oh, Santa Claus won't come this year Got the word today He was wrapping up some razor blades And shaved his beard away Shaved his beard away, boys Shaved his beard away He was wrapping up some razor blades And shaved his beard away Santa Claus won't come this year Nothing in his sack His helpers joined the CIO And walked out on a strike Walked out on a strike, boys Walked out on a strike You uh, compiled, or you curated uh, The new Christmas Dreamers collection for Numero, correct? Yes, me and a, a few of the people at the label But yeah, I was, I was the one Maybe the one leading the charge As, nope. as the most... Um, uh, my, my, my upbringing is very Catholic, very, um, people in my family love Christmas music. And, and I, I feel like maybe not everyone at Numero can say the same thing. So ah. I think I was naturally chosen as a, as a fan of country music and, um, a good Catholic boy from the Midwest to be, to be the one to sort of lead the charge in a way. But yeah, it's always a group effort at Numero finding the tracks. There's usually a couple people behind every compilation doing a lot of the work. So, oh, that's great. Can't take all the credit. Tell tell me about the process of of pulling together Christmas Dreamers. Yeah, well, um, this one kind of came about because Numero has been in the in the process of the last few years of of 
doing a lot of like massive catalog buys, like coming across collections, whether it's tapes, you know, or whatever it is, buying out, you know, labels or publishing uh, houses worth of, of recording. So over the years and years of doing that, we've gathered enough. When we started talking about doing this Christmas record, we already had kind of half of it ready, kind of half of it in our back pocket because you buy a collection like a Kuka records is a good example. We, we bought all the like Kuka stuff, right? So it's some rockabilly, it's folk, it's polka, it's bluegrass. It's all over, but every once in a while you'll come across a Christmas song and you start to kind of just set those aside. And then you realize like, Oh, you know, we have this catalog, we have this catalog and there's this Christmas song here. There's this Christmas song here. We could probably make, if we found, you know, five or six more country Christmas songs, we could do like a Christmas country album. I don't exactly remember the origins of why we decided to do a country Christmas record, but I know we, we did, um, Joseph Washington Jr. was a record we did a few years ago. That was like a soul artist that did a Christmas record. That's always been nice to have every, every year. It's always has a, have nice to have something to sell to people over the holidays, you know, like a special little gift. So I think the idea was like, let's do, sort of like something else in that same vein. But um, yeah, there's, it's like I was saying, it's endless. I mean, we, we have quite a few already sort of in our back pocket and then just had to find like the last few to kind of put it over the finish line. And in researching, um, gosh, this was probably over a year ago, but like the amount of artists that do country songs, it's, it's crazy. So it's just finding the right ones and then being able to track those people down. So we may have had of the 13 songs on the record, we may have already had, you know, six or seven that we already had under license just from buying out catalogs of, you know, labels and stuff like that. So, um, and then just finding those last few and that's, you know, searching on Discog, searching, uh, mostly online. Honestly, I know a lot of people think it's just like, we spend all of our days in, in thrift stores and don't get me wrong. We find a lot of stuff in thrift stores and, 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 you know, uh, mildewy, mildewy basements. But, um, for this one specifically, it was a lot of like internet research and going through other people's, you know, like, um, you know, maybe if someone did a Christmas show, I know there was one, I can't remember who it was. Someone did a Christmas show and put out like a compilation of cassettes of like country Christmas music that I know we pulled a couple from that. Um, and just, you know, YouTube discogs, 45 cat, all that stuff. Just, just finding, finding this stuff. And then of the ones you find, it seems like maybe one in 10 are, are a people that are still alive or B people that you can actually get a hold of if they're still alive, finding them is always the hardest part. You know, it's not easy to track down like someone named Charlie Stewart, you know, that's like an extremely common name. (laughs) Um, so, uh, but yeah, let me go back to Charlie Stewart since you just mentioned him. You have two Charlie Stewart songs on the Christmas, uh, Santa Claus won't come this Christmas. And, uh, Santa Claus isn't a hip, Santa Claus ain't a hippie. Yeah. Uh, So when, when you're going for these songs, do you need to go and find the original artist or do you need to find sort of whoever, whoever had the publishing on it? Um, usually both. Um, we try to clear, and I'm not, I'm definitely not the best person to be asking about these type of things, but we try and clear, uh, we try and find the writer, the songwriter, and also the publisher. So we can clear like both sides of the song. Numero does a lot of, of, um, syncing songs into television and commercials. And so it's nice to have both 
the writer, writer and the publisher signed on. But like in the case of Charlie Stewart, he's passed away. So it was just a matter of sort of finding the next of kin there. And I believe in his case, we, I think maybe we met, we talked to his daughters and this was so long ago, but I think we found his daughters and, and had a conversation with them about their father's music. And then a lot of times it's like, yeah, finding next of kin to kind of sign away the rights and, and stuff like that. Right. But we never do anything. We never put anything out that we didn't license from either the artist, the publisher, or, you know, someone in the family. At a rock concert one evening, they put old Santa Claus down at a place they call Bull Island, where the Wabash River all around. They called him a fink and a fairy and put him down to shame. Then I got up and testified when they scandalized his name. And I said, Santa Claus ain't a hippie, he's king of Christmas night. Santa Claus ain't a hippie, as sure as Jesus Christ. Santa Claus ain't what was, what's your background with Christmas music? Because I'd imagine that your idea of what makes a good Christmas song influences what you end up putting on the record as a good Christmas song. Man, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, like... In relation to the, this compilation, for me, I was I was trying to find the stuff that's a bit more kind of oddball. Like, it's nice to have a song like you know uh, I'm just looking at the track list, but like "Make This a Good Christmas" by Joy Street. That's that's a nice that's a nice Christmas song. But I also love the ones that you know like you know Santa Claus ain't a hippie or uh, um, All I Want for Christmas is a Go Go Girl. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, uh, oh, what would Santa Claus think? Which is about like a father like drinking himself. Yeah. It's, you know, like I, I want the the weirder tear in the beer sort of like sad Christmas songs or the kind of out the oddball ones are more appealing to me at this moment in my life. But but my upbringing is very traditional. Like, uh, I mean, my dad is a deacon in the Catholic Church. We grew up pretty much from like November 1st on the Christmas channel is on in the car on the radio. Like that's all, that's all my dad listens to besides the Beatles. It's the Beatles and Christmas music for like months <laughs> over the holidays. So, so you hear a lot of Christmas music and, and I just sort of was annoyed by, by it as a kid. So it's, it's interesting, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I have a, a, a like being away from where I grew up, in Iowa around that, you know, like very Catholic upbringing. I sort of like, once you're away from it, you sort of start to kind of like appreciate it a bit more. And I have like Christmas albums that I go to every year, whether it's, I mean, you know, classics like Charlie Brown. And I really love the, um, the like Burl Ives, like the animated uh, Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it's like, these are like when I was a like, kid growing up, we used to watch those. And then eventually I was like, this, this is just stupid. I can't, this is just so annoying. And then there's like this second phase where like, oh, I'm coming back around. Like these songs are amazing. And I get this like, sort of like, uh, like emotion when I hear those songs, remembering like my childhood and stuff. They're like very, uh, sorry, the neighbor's truck. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I just get this, like this, like, uh, emotion that comes back up reminds me of my childhood and stuff and those songs are i'll always love those songs as cheesy as they are island and misfit toys and um there's always tomorrow and all that stuff i love those songs you know my my upbringing is extremely traditional yeah like 
singing singing Christmas songs every year. And yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that's interesting is when you, you're f- focusing on like songs from Rudolph and, yeah. you know, and I, and I, it feels like there's a connection here in that, you know, even as a, you know, even as a kid, we may not have been conscious of it, but those, you know, side, those really were for the most part, non-standard Christmas songs. They're not, most of them are That's not true. canonical except for Rudolph. And That's true. there's a nice kind of oddball sensibility to something like Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and in a lot of ways, it feels like when I look at these songs, that mm-hmm. you know, you again, you kind of have. I mean, I mean, they're clearly there's an oddball quality to them. Uh, I mean, they really yeah, do. You know, these border on novelty. Yes, for sure, that's true. What's yeah, your, you're right. Actually, I guess. It, what's your patience okay. for novelty songs? Um. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy some more than others. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends like with country, country music to me has like a bit of that quality kind of across the board. I don't know. I mean, I love country and Western music. It's sincere, but it's also like even some of the best country songs are a bit, I guess, tongue in cheek, like, you know, um, what i'm trying to say here but i guess the lyrics can be taken a bit not novelty but a bit kind of fun you know like um i'm trying to think of a great example of like a classic country song i guess the first thing i'm thinking of is like a boy named sue but god that's maybe not the best example but yeah i don't know you know there's a bit of like that quality sort of like fun quality you know in in a lot of my favorite country and western artists um But not, you know, like yeah, sure. There's there's some novelty songs I can get into, but I'm 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 not. I wouldn't say I'm I'm a huge fan of, of you know, yeah, novelty. Yeah, yeah, I get that, and I'm, I ask because it's, I because I find myself kind of in the same a little bit in the same place that I don't love novelty songs, mm-hmm. but I also like. I'm gonna rephrase that thought. One of the things I think is interesting about these songs. And I find myself sort of thinking about how to deal with this is that on one hand, I love them as songs, mm-hmm. but there's also a moment where I sometimes wonder if I'm laughing at them and I'm worried yeah. when I, and I kind of check myself on my relationship to this mm-hmm. and kind of think about what am I responding to? Um, yeah. And usually I come down on the side that I think what I, what I end up liking about these songs is their sincerity. Yeah. Like I realized like when I was listening to Santa Claus ain't a hippie, I'm like, yeah. I often think that if I met the people who make the music I like, we could yeah. sit and drink a beer and have stuff to talk about. Yeah. And when I got to that song, I think if Charlie Stewart and I met, I think I'd be done with them in about three minutes mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and totally hacked off. And uh, so, but at the same time, I'm still entertained in part because it's a, it feels like a window into the past when hippies were the enemy and that's by itself kind of entertaining, but also because for better or worse, 
Charlie Stewart thought he was saying something meaningful in that moment. And I and yeah. I admire his I admire his sincerity, even if I think he's kind of a butthead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing. Maybe with novelty music, like these these songs don't sound I guess when I hear the word novelty, I think of like goofy or you know ironic these songs like you could replace the lyrics and they would just be like any old country song but when it's about you know santa claus and a hippie it's it's like the words and whether he's sincere when he's singing i don't know but yeah i guess as long as there's not like kazoos or weird shit going on <laughs> like you know it's these are like standard classic country songs you know they have all the elements there but they're just songs about like drinking yourself to death on Christmas or, you know, whatever. Like right. they just have, the lyrics are a bit fun, which I enjoy. When I came home the night before Christmas I staggered and fell on the I'm staying too long at the tavern Where I couldn't resist just one more As I struggled to regain my composure I heard my little voice speak Then two tiny arms tried to Small baby hand touch my cheek He said, Daddy, I know you've been drinking But try to stand up if you can What would Santa Claus think of you, Daddy? Thanks to Adam, Susan, Alexandra, and Peter for the time and the talk. You can find them, their bands, and their labels online. That's what the internet's for. I'll put a link to the CalSills podcast in the show notes. And thanks to our sponsors, carfloats.com. If you haven't already done so, subscribe, follow, like, or do whatever you have to do to get 12 songs in your podcast feed. If you get yours through Apple, how about a five-star review? All those things help the algorithms work for us and let others know about what we're doing here. Finally, I received a new Christmas song via email from Jade 10 and Sisters Noel titled My Ugly Sweater. We'll go out with that. I think we'll have a bonus episode come out between now and next week, so I'll talk to you soon. It's a sort of color boy, trusty. Just-